This is the Historian's Podcast, and I'm Bob Cudmore. We welcome Jerry Snyder to the program. How you doing, Jerry? I'm doing fine, Bob. Thank you. And yourself? Okay. Uh, Jerry Snyder, well, let's call him now Publications Chairman of Historic Amsterdam League, one of the founders of the League. And every year, we usually end up talking to Jerry about the Historic Amsterdam League Amsterdam Icons calendar. And this year, you dedicate the calendar, or devote the calendar, I should say, to the North Chuctanunda Creek. Uh, why is that? Well, this year, uh, this year, I had the opportunity to work with a group that uh, actually we uh, finally accomplished something that's been in the works for quite a long time, and that was the opening of the North Chuctanunda Creek Trail, uh, which... Uh, it was established, and it runs from the pedestrian bridge all the way up to the old powerhouse up at the upper mills. And it seemed like an excellent time to highlight the creek and uh, give it some uh, additional acknowledgement. So this this was a perfect uh, perfect way to showcase it this year. So it just uh, all fell together very nicely, and it provided an excellent theme for this year's calendar. Mm. Yeah, it is. It, it's uh, fascinating. And later in the program, we'll talk with John Naple, a retired uh, teacher who's very active in Amsterdam community affairs at the library, but also involving North Ch- Chuckton under Creek. Um, and we'll talk with him about the, the history of the creek and so forth. Uh, there are two creeks named Chuctanunda in Amsterdam, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Jerry, but one is called South Chuctanunda, which comes from the south, empties into the Mohawk River at, at Amsterdam on the south side, whereas the North Chuctanunda comes from the north in the Adirondacks and, and empties into the river on the north side of the river. But the North Chuctanunda Creek was really central to the economic uh, development. Can you explain that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the, the North Chuctanunda Creek uh, provided the power for the early mills here. Um, when uh, when Albert Vetter first uh, came to the area here, it was the Chuctanunda Creek and the uh, potential for the water power to power the mills that caused him to really settle in this area and uh, develop developed the creek uh, for its water power to uh, provide the power for his grist mills and sawmills. And really, that's why Amsterdam got started here, Vettersburg at the time. And uh, everybody else kind of followed suit because of the great, uh, the great uh, reliable water power that was in the area. If it wasn't for the creek flowing into the river here and the vertical drop that it provided, Amsterdam wouldn't be here. It's really, uh, you know, it's really the, uh, the gift of... Uh, nature that uh, provided us with uh, the city where it is today. In fact, you go up and down the Mohawk Valley, and I presume the Hudson Valley as well, but uh, Fort Plain uh, has the Otsquago Creek, and Canajoharie has the Canajoharie Creek, and Fonda has the Cayadutta Creek. I mean, there are all these creeks that originally uh, provided uh, water power. But I gather, and you know, maybe this is just hometown pride, that the North Chuctanunda was really what, what was described in an 1807 map. It was called Amsterdam's never-failing stream. It was a powerful little creek. As you say, in the 1807 map, they, they, they point that out, that uh, uh, due to the amount of flow and the fact that it, it pretty much was a very reliable uh, source, uh, if you build a mill on it, you could pretty much count on it being there for you to provide power uh, when you needed it. So it was, uh, it was quite a reliable... Uh, reliable source and uh, the fact that it had such a steep vertical drop uh, 
it, within the last three miles here through the city, it drops about 300 feet, and that provides you pretty good head to generate power. So it gave you a, a good run all the way up through the Hegeman area uh, to be able to build mills. So it's quite a long stretch from all the way from the, the mouth of it, the river, all the way up through Hegeman, where you could source, you know, source the power for providing for mills all the way up through there. And I must say, you wax eloquent uh, in the uh, calendar's uh, captions, and, and jump in when, when you want. Uh, you write, for over 150 years, the Chuctanunda sawed wood and ground grain, washed wool, spun yarn, knit textiles, and wove carpets. Yeah, well, maybe I got carried away a little bit in some of those, but really, there's, there's a lot of truth in that, because uh, really, it, it did pro- provide the power to do all those things here and uh it was uh it was as i said before it was it was pretty much it built amsterdam for for a number of years here uh, when uh, it was the power source without that you really wouldn't have had the mills and without the mills you wouldn't have had the city and uh up until you know we moved into the point of using fossil fuels and everything for it uh that uh, water power was what what powered the industry and uh, what what built the city for us so mm-hmm. it was uh, it was that what really got us going. I mean, obviously, later on, as uh, we moved into the use of coal and everything, they, that took over. But that's what really got things mm-hmm. started. And even uh, in the days of coal burning, you mentioned the Mohawk Powerhouse. I believe that was what they called the upper mill. And it was a coal plant, but they used water from the creek uh, to turn that water into steam, right? Yeah, definitely. Uh, they they took the water out of the creek and they, they processed it. Uh, it was still still a very important source. I mean, they, they washed the wool with it. They filtered it and used it for other processes there in the plant. They turned it into steam, which they provided for the machinery and for heating the, heating the mills and everything. So even though they didn't use the water directly to generate the power, they still used it to generate steam, which they used, and then they used the steam to uh, turn turbines to generate electricity for the plant, too. So the the creek continued to be a, a source for industry uh, even even after the we got past the point of using it to power mm-hmm. water wheels and turbines and things with the mechanical energy from it. Well, let me address the elephant that's been sitting in the room here, Jerry. We're talking with Jerry Snyder, Historic Amsterdam League. Uh, the league's calendar for 2019 uh, is the tale of the North Chuckton Under Creek. The in, these industries did provide economic benefit, gave people's jobs, helped the city grow, but the creek suffered. I mean, they dumped all kinds of things into the North Chuckton Under Creek, all kinds of chemicals and, and other forms of pollution. Yeah, unfortunately, and, and that that was kind of a given for the time, is that uh, you, you used what you needed and you just threw everything else away, and the creek was kind of the disposal system just as much as you know the mohawk was and fortunately we've gotten past a lot of that i mean we still have our problems and and it's one of the things that that, you know john points out in some of his writings is that we still have you know sewerage problems and stuff with occasional leaks into it but fortunately we've gotten past the point where in the winter time it looked like spumoni with a different colored dye (laughs) right right yeah i remember i remember that in fact i've i've done a column about the Creek for the uh, Daily Gazette, and uh, used a quote from Susan Doria, the um, anthropologist who did her doctoral dissertation on Amsterdam's deindustrialization, and she talks about how a gentleman told her that in the wintertime, the creek looked like spumoni ice cream because the different colors of 
of carpet dye would freeze in different le- in different levels. Yeah, it uh, and and uh, like I say, uh, unfortunately, uh, you know that was just the that was the way things were done, and uh, fortunately, uh, you know, we've gotten past that point. Unfortunately, it indicates that uh, you know a lot of our industry and stuff has left the area. Uh, we don't need it as a disposal system anymore, and not that we would still continue to use it that way, but uh, it's uh, it's a two-edged sword. You know, we don't we don't need it for that anymore, but we don't have the mills here anymore. But uh, it's a it's a lot cleaner, and you know, efforts of a lot of people, uh, such as John, to uh, to bring that to uh, the forefront, and make people recognize that. Uh, really, there's been a lot of work done in that area, and uh, it's 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 a hidden gem of the city and uh, one of the things with this new trail is uh, to make people more aware of that and i think a, a lot of people have already taken advantage of that and they've discovered a lot of things uh, about the creek and a lot of areas that they didn't know existed before so it's definitely a step in the right direction now let me see if this rings a bell or is it, uh, one of my memories you, know, you you remember things from when you were young and sometimes they're associated with smells and i remember standing on the bridge over the Chuckton Creek, which I believe was Grove Street at the time, and it's summer, and the creek had this very distinctive, terrible odor. I seem to me that's that's where I would smell it, you know. And for a long time, that I, that smell was what I associated with uh, that part of Amsterdam. Yeah, I can I can identify with that too. I remember going either down to the. Uh, down to the Rialto or going down and uh, down to the uh, Niagara Mohawk building on the corner and paying the light bill and stuff, and you could always get a whiff of the creek going down through there sometimes. And I, I can definitely uh, definitely agree with what you say on that one, Bob. I remember that myself. Yeah, and that's a good point about the Rialto. I was wondering why I was there, but that's right. The Rialto was, if you kept walking up the street, the theater was, the right theater the was there. Yep, yep. Now, um, we will be talking with uh, John Naple in just a couple of minutes, but um, l- let me ask you to uh, explain uh, about the about the calendar and anything you want us to say specifically about how you get the calendar or how it's organized and so forth. Well, what we, what we did is uh, we tried to go through and we tried to take a look at uh, some of the different aspects of the creek. It's not all just pictures of the creek. Uh, we looked at uh, you know we looked at some of the history of the creek and uh, uh, what it was uh, obviously some pictures of the industrial use of it uh, also recreational use uh, Crescent Park obviously was uh, was uh, built uh, on the creek uh, give uh, a recreational area here in the city um, some interesting uh, interesting pictures uh, from back in the 30s uh, showing some of the uh, Park Hill Reed Hill area there uh, both black and white in color. Uh, tried to lay it out uh, to give a good overall uh, picture of the, of the creek, kind of its evolution. Uh, got a nice, uh, nice section that talks about the new trail, uh, which is uh, they just opened an additional section of the greenway from the uh, area by the Elks Club up around 4th Avenue up to 2nd Avenue now. So now the greenway extends all the way from there all the way up to the powerhouse. So uh, that that's a nice addition now. Uh, 
uh, and uh, we've just tried to uh, we've just tried to kind of give it a good overall view of the creek and highlight some of the areas that if people actually uh, walk on the trail, they're going to see some things, uh, parts of Amsterdam they probably never knew existed before. <laughs> so, so that should uh, that should be an enticement for people to go take advantage of it. Um, there's informational signs along the way, and uh, learn a little history along the way. Not all the history's on the signs. A lot of it is in the calendar, and I think they're going to learn things they didn't know, obviously. Uh, we've put all the main things in the calendar that need to be there, the holidays and everything. But there's also a lot of Amsterdam trivia and the calendars and stuff and uh, things that you might not have known about the city, important dates and, and the history and uh, uh, things that you can go back and take a look at and, as we say, win a friendly better to with your friends. Um the calendar itself is available. Uh, we have three outlets locally. You can uh, pick them up at the Book Hound on Main Street, uh, also at the Amsterdam Free Library or at the Walter Elwood Museum Gift Shop. Uh, they can they can order the calendars directly from uh, the Historic Amsterdam League through our website, historicamsterdam.org, uh, and we'd be more than happy to send them out as gifts to people. We'll put a personal note in it, sending it came as a gift, and... Uh, you know, put your message in with it if you'd like us to do that. Uh, you can uh, order them by sending sending a check to us at, uh, you know, P.O. Box 132 in Amsterdam. And all the details are up on the website. And uh, we'd be more than happy to take care of that for you. And we'll, you get the order into us, we'll definitely get them out before Christmas. Well, if you get them in quickly. Uh, but it, historicamsterdam.org is the website, right? Well, Jerry Snyder, I thank you very much uh, for uh, joining us on the Historian's Podcast. Well, thank you very much, Bob. I appreciate that. Okay. We'll be talking in uh, just a moment with John Napel of, uh, well, retired teacher. He's very active in the Amsterdam Free Library and also has been active in um, trying to restore or um, draw attention to the North Chuctanunda Creek. I want to draw attention to our GoFundMe campaign, which does continue as we record this, about uh, three weeks uh, left of the campaign in uh, 2018. We're way behind last year. Uh, would welcome any uh, donation at this uh, at this time. We will end the drive at the end of uh, 2018. Uh, you can donate online by uh, going to gofundme.com forward slash historians2018 and make a donation using your credit card. If you'd rather donate by check, make the check out to Bob Cudmore. Send to Bob Cudmore, 125 Horstman Drive, Scotia, New York, 12302. And thank you very much. The Historian's Podcast continues with uh, retired teacher John Naple joining us. How you doing, John? I'm good, Bob. John Naple uh, is well known to me. He's a native of uh, Amsterdam, the East End even, uh, very active in the community in the uh, Amsterdam Free Library and its Amsterdam Reads program. And I think you might say he's been an advocate for the North Chuctanunda Creek. Uh, John's a retired school teacher. And you, you told me that uh, you half of your teaching was in earth science, and you taught in Galway, and the north of Chuctanunda Creek kind of passes nearby there. That's right. The, the creek, its headwaters are on the, other, the north side of Route 29, up near Barkersville, actually within the Adirondack Park. And then uh, little streams collect together, and they 
uh, they travel down to Galway Lake. Before they get to Galway Lake, they go through Lake Butterfield, which is a little tiny lake before Galway, just south of Route 29 near Crooked Street. Mm-hmm. And then and then the creek it goes to West Galway and Hageman. I see Hageman has uh, lights on the waterfall or the dam that yes. has the Chucktonunda on it now. And then it goes down to Harrowers and Shuttleworth and plunges down into Amsterdam. Yeah. And when, you probably know the answer to this question. Was Galway Lake a manufactured lake? Yes. Uh, there's a dam. There's a dam on it. And uh, Stephen Sanford was a big part of that. And it was like a swampy type area and they they made it into a dam and then it was enlarged a couple times and uh now the campers association uh, all these camps around galway lake they own the lake Mm -hmm. now well didn't the sanfords and the other industrialists want to have the galway lake uh, to improve the maintain the flow of the north chuctanunda exactly exactly and uh they have the ability to do that now. You know, there's a there's a dam on it which can be raised and lowered. And I believe in the winter time they lower it to kind of control the weeds now. Mm-hmm. One thing we didn't discuss with uh, Jerry uh, Snyder of Historic Amsterdam League is if you know you come to Amsterdam, you've heard about the North Shuckdunder Creek, and you're on Main Street and you're looking for it, you don't see it <laughs> because as it enters the Mohawk River, the the creek is covered up, right? Exactly. It uh, it goes right under Main Street, uh, right ne- behind the library. There's Chuckdenunda Street, and the uh, you can see the creek, but then it, it disappears, and it goes under Main Street. And if you go behind the the bank building, the big Amsterdam skyscraper, you can you can look at it. You, you can see it traveling exactly under the building. You know, right from the back, wow. you can walk through the parking lot and look in the back there, and you can see the, you can see the creek. Well, and it was covered by buildings. Uh, looking at Jer- Jerry's calendar, uh, as early as 1854. Okay, yeah, I know. All along there, there were buildings, like the Button Factory was between Main Street and the river, and that was right over the top of the building, uh, over the top of the creek. And so, yeah, it was all built up. There were all, all mills. Actually, Amsterdam was the one of the uh, the starts of the American Revolution, uh, Industrial Revolution, mm-hmm. like in uh, Cohoes and Troy and Albany. Amsterdam was part of that, and I, I think that's a part of a story that uh, Amsterdam can tell. That you know, th- this was part of the American Industrial Revolution when people moved off the farms into the towns. This was a booming place at one time. Mm. And I should mention, in connection with the calendar Historic Amsterdam League has put out, uh, John has an essay called The Life Story of the North Chuckton Under Creek. Um, you, When did you start um, touring the creek or going to the creek? Well, uh, um, after I uh, retired from teaching, I... Uh, I had all this uh, earth science knowledge in my head, I guess. And, you know, I looked around and I saw the, the creek. And I knew the creek as, as, a, as a boy when, when I grew up. 
I think, as you remember, the creek was different colors on different days. <laughs> right. That's and, something everybody remembers. Yeah. And then uh, I, I came across this book. Uh, it's called The Mighty and Awesome Chuctanunda Creek Roars Through the Limestone, Limestone City by Adam Golub. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you knew, knew Adam Golub. I never knew him. Me, no, I didn't either. But, you know, he sounds like a real interesting guy. And, uh, you know, his book is partly partly comical and you know he talks to the stream and uh he just loves the chuck and under creek and he and he called it chuck and so so then i started calling it chuck and uh it's uh you know it just got me interested in, sure. in it and now they have a, a trail and i imagine you had something to do with the creation of the trail that Jerry talked about it as well that has signage on it so it's easier to hike the creek yes the uh, you know especially the Amsterdam Recreation Department you know they've done you know Rob Spagnola and uh, Danielle like they've done a lot of work on uh, you know really formalizing this as a trail and they have a I don't know if you've, I don't know if you've seen the trail marker they have. I've seen pictures of it. You know, I'm, I'm not really likely somebody who's going <laughs> to take the hike, but you know, I, I've you know, seen the, the, the trail markers have uh, have this. Uh, I guess it's a woodchuck kind of comical guy. You know, it's uh, that's Chuck, and it, and it says "Follow the Chuck." Right. And uh, you know, there's waterfall and mills and things on the. It's a very nice looking uh, trail marker, anyway. But you can start on the Amsterdam Gateway Overlook pedestrian bridge, right? Is that the start of the trail? Yes, yes. And, but um, uh, actually from there all the way up to the five corners in Amsterdam, up to the Elks Club, like that is all on the street. You know, you'll be, you'll be walking on the street. And then once you get by the Elks Club, just above the Elks Club, there, there's a Amsterdam lot. A, it's a, a landfill, I guess, that the city has that at one time was a quarry that Adam Golub used to play in. And uh, he had boats in, in a limestone quarry there. And the city has slowly filled it in. And uh, there's a, a, a greenway trail. Like a greenway is like a, a park, you know, a narrow park. And it hooks up with the Shuttleworth Park, and it goes up to the powerhouse up uh, by the Mohasco site. What they called the upper mill in the old days. Exactly. And we did talk about that a little bit with Jerry, and it's a coal-burning plant, but it used the water of the creek to make steam. And so that structure, is it in, what's it like? Is it in ruins, or is it intact still, or? Um... I, I wouldn't call it ruins, but you know the city did did get a grant to do a study to see if it was uh, possible to to use it as part of the trail, and I, I think that came out in the affirmative. And there is a bridge there where the way the the city trail is now that it it ends right there at the powerhouse, but there there is actually a bridge that goes across the creek. And it, you know, it could continue on from there up to Shuttleworth. Mm-hmm. And the uh, powerhouse is, I would say, like an amazing place. It's, it's just, it's, it's a. I don't know if you, I wouldn't call it ruin, but it's open, and the public 
uh, has been in there. People have been in there, and there's there, there's a uh, you, from outside you can see a big old General Electric generator in there. There's um, big coal ash bins uh, still with ashes in. There's a big train trestle. Probably, Jerry probably told you how the train would come and bring the coal and dump it into the top, and then. You know, the, the ashes were shaken out at the bottom. Mm. This is a big building, and it's built right over the top of the of the creek. Mm. It, it's you know, it would take a lot of money, but it, it would be a, a beautiful thing to restore, or at least some kind of uh, you know, uh, block it off, or so, somehow so that the uh, the public could look at it. Mm-hmm. It's it's really a uh, amazing building. We're talking with John Naple uh, about the North Shuckton Under Creek. Uh, what is your take on the creek? I mean, you uh, speak uh, eloquently in your essay in the uh, historic Amsterdam League calendar. I mean, that in a way you th- say we owe the creek better treatment. Well, there, you know, people have have littered and uh, on the creek, and there's. As, as we just said about different colors, uh, you know, people have polluted the creek. And when uh, Albert Vetter, you know, first built Amsterdam after the Revolutionary War, you know, he could just take a cup and dip it in and have a drink of water out of it. And, and we can't do that today, uh, especially, you know, for the last couple years. You know, we've been hearing about all of the uh, the sewage that has leaked into the into the the creek it's uh it, it seems that people deserve a, a, a clean environment and i think we have to spend money and make it that way mm. how many people have used the uh, trail do, do you have any idea of that or is that um i i don't think there there's you know like a, a large number of people that have used it we've had uh you know, previously, you know, we've had several uh, hikes and walks, and we've we've had a lot of people do that. I, I've talked to people that, um, you know, walk their dogs and things on it, and uh, you know, so I, I think it's a small number right now that that use it. Mm-hmm. But um, you continue to lead tours from time to time, do you not, or do you? Uh, on occasion, yes. As a matter of fact, the uh, the recreation department was talking about having one on uh, New Year's Eve. I, d- I don't know how, how that's going to work out, but they were they were, they were talking about that. Yeah, and it uh, can be uh, one thing we didn't discuss uh, so far in the program has to do with when the creek is raging. Sometimes, even today, it's I mean, it becomes a torrent. Uh, yes, it does. And sometimes it, there's just a little trickle, you know. It, it's, uh, but the, but that's nature. That's that's the way that uh, that things go. And uh, I, I think people should, in the summer, be allowed to get into the creek. I, I think they should put stairs or a ladder or something downtown, and have people walk down and uh, and walk on the rocks behind the library and sit down in the sun and enjoy it. Hmm. And one point that this made in the calendar is that the the limestone that's the creek bed is relatively soft stone, and there are like little holes sort of in the um, 
in the stone uh, of the limestone bedroom? is reactive. And, you know, it, it reacts like with like a little bit things acid or some things that are in the and and also like you say uh, uh, mechanical mechanically it can be broken down like you get stone one stone hitting on another stone and it's going to wear out and uh, there are these uh, potholes and there are some that are as big as a bathtub. Right. And John, we're almost out of time. I just want to mention, you have written a pamphlet or a, a book about the creek. It's uh, sold out, but it's still online. What's the website? Visit MontgomeryCountyNewYork.com. And then you have to look on the brochures. And the name of the brochure is Touring, Touring the North Chuctanunda Creek. Well, John Napel, I thank you very much for joining us. This has been the Historian's Podcast. I'm Bob Cudmore.